Wasn't that good? That was amazing. That was amazing. And uh, I love her story. You know, this series is all about um, trying to understand uh, God beyond just God is, right? God is um, good. God is just. God is generous. Um, but understanding what it means that a God who is good, who is with us, a God who is generous is with us, a God who is loving, who is with us. And understanding that with part um, becomes really important in all of this. And this morning, I, I want to end this uh, series that we're in and, and bring it to a place where we experience it in that goodness, but experience it in, in that sense of joy, regardless of our circumstances. You know, I, I think about Nikki's story and just, right, there's something so difficult about the, the circumstances that she went through, but the beauty of being with God, that it walks you through it in a very different way. And, and now, like she's at this place that even going through all of that, there's a kind of joy that can be experienced out of God's goodness, God's generosity, right? And, and that's what I want us to look at um, th uh, this morning. And so when you think about joy, um, you know, it, that can be a thing that especially like right now, um, can feel weird or distant. I uh, was looking at a University of Chicago research study uh, on this that they kind of recently came out with kind of this last year's study on this study that they've done for a while. And by the way, um, unlike Seth's study last week, this is an actual real study in this, okay? Uh, <clears throat> uh, uh, but here, here's what they, they found. Um, they found that in the last couple of years, people's sense of joyfulness has dropped. What a shocker, right? <laughs> Just when you look at everything that's gone on, right? In fact, um, a five-decade low. The lowest of uh, this research study, what it was based on going back, uh, I think, a little more than five dec decades, lowest it's ever been. And part of it we look at it and we go, well, yeah, like it's been a rough couple of years. In fact, um, I shared it with Seth in our sermon meeting uh, this week, and uh, his first reaction uh, was, so how much, how much money did they waste on that study, right? <laughs> he said, I could have I told him that. Um, and uh, I read a book uh, here a couple of months ago, just trying to cope with uh, what we've been through and like how do we move forward and so and just the way it framed out some of the questions it kind of intrigued me and um, I uh, started reading the book and as I started reading the book it it like took on this kind of tone that I was like okay like uh, when are you going to turn this around a little bit and it was a, and it started off with this tone of kind of like we've offended God somehow like the, the people of the world have offended God and this is like why we're experiencing what we're experiencing and so I kind of skipped forward in that chapter and started a little more of the chapter I probably honestly maybe read a little more than half of the book total, but just like in little sporadic points, because it seemed like it was going to keep pointing to something else. Got to the end of the book, and it never did, right? The theme of the book, and this wasn't the official theme of the book, and I'm not going to tell you who the author or the title or anything like that, but it just felt like the theme of the book uh, kind of was like, um, God is in a bad mood right now, and we, we need to... We need get our act together and straighten things out um, so that we can have God's favor again, 
That, that was kind of the theme of the book. And it just, and the thing that I was struck by with it is it never, there was never a point either where the goal was or living in or seeking out God's joy was never any part of it. And, it, and that's part of what left it at this, um, uh, just like a lack of hope in it because it lacked understanding a kind of joy that you see all throughout Scripture. Uh, there's another author by the name of uh, Henry Cloud, and maybe some of you have heard of a fantastic Christian uh, writer, uh, psychologist. Uh, he's been writing books uh, for decades, and he recently made an observation. Uh, he wrote, um, right now in too many churches, uh, if you just walked in, there's a basic message that gets presented, and here's how he put it. Um, God is good, you're bad, try harder, right? <laughs> and I thought, t-shirt? No, no, that wouldn't make a good t-shirt, right? <laughs> um, but sometimes we can get caught in that thing where it's just like, okay, God's good, we're bad, we just need to try harder. You know, I think about Nikki's story, and it's just like, okay, is the answer, I've just, I've got to, I've got to earn God's favor, I've got to try harder, and there's something about that that becomes really unhealthy. It creates a kind of dualistic way of trying to live life. And let me explain it this way. So it becomes this thing where it's like you begin to see there's this spiritual side to my life, this, uh, this relationship with God. And so over here, there are certain things I'm going to do. And if you get caught in this, it's like, okay, what do I need to do to get God's favor in this? But it all becomes this very serious thing. It becomes this dutiful kind of thing. And that's all it becomes too often. But as human beings, we can't just live in that space, right? There's a part of us that seeks meaning, uh, seeks connection, seeks joy. And so we end up trying to do some things over here. But then meanwhile, it's like, okay, if I got everything taken care of over here, now I need to spend some time over here where, where I can find some joy, some things that are meaningful, some things that are enriching to my life. Of course, I know I'm obligated to do this stuff over here. So we try and do the enough stuff over here that God isn't going to like mess up anything over here here. And it's kind of like we don't understand that, that like God actually loves and cares about our whole life, that maybe there are things that are meaningful, filled with joy for us that we would like to seek or pursue, that actually God would like be involved in, that, that this could come together. But when we see it the other way, it like we end up living this kind of dualistic uh, life at times. And maybe you felt that. I, I know there's moments where I'll catch myself sliding into that one way or the, the other. But there's something about understanding the joy of God and being with God in His joy that has a way of pulling those worlds together. We begin to see God as being a part of our whole life and not just something we do uh, over here. Um, and so I want to just ask this question. What if, what if God is a really happy God? What, what if God loves a good laugh now and then? What, what, if, what if God is in a good mood? Like, what, what does that mean? Like, that's a different way of thinking about this. And, and I actually want you to think about that. In fact, um, you know, sometimes we think about like, you know, the Old Testament is where God's kind of upset and grumpy, and the New Testament's where he's like happy and filled with grace. And, and 
I want you to get that out of your mind as well. It's interesting when you even look at the Old Testament scriptures, you see this thing, this character of God in his joy that he's wanting to pull people into this relationally as well. Um, there is a passage found in the Old Testament book of First Chronicles, and it uses this imagery of describing God in his home, in his house. So you think about, you know, like your home or your house and kind of the mood that you set in it, the atmosphere that you have. And the, the, the chronicler goes on and describes it as being a place of great joy, a place where like, people would like to hang out, right? Like this is, like God's house is the house that like the teenagers would be like, okay, we can invite, you know, it's a house that, that the teenagers get invited to, right? There, there's, there's joy there. There's, there's something that is um, relaxing and at ease and is good. Uh, there's another uh, Old Testament prophet by the name of Zephaniah. Zephaniah. I'm sure you were reading Zephaniah early this morning before you came to church. <laughs> um, Zephaniah, little known uh, prophet, but he, he writes something uh, in his book that, that I want you to see here. This is found in Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. He says this uh, to the people. He says, the Lord your God and is in your midst. Now I want you to think about that for a moment, like going all the way back to Old Testament times when it was really easy for people to think about like God is up in the clouds, God is in his temple, God is like, but not here. And Zephaniah says, no, no, I want you to know, right, the Lord your God is in your midst or with you, right? When you think about the characteristics and the beauty and who God is, he's in your midst. And he goes on and he says, a mighty one who will save. Now catch this, he will rejoice over you with gladness. See, here's God's joy. And not just that God is a, a God who is joyful, but he, right, in your midst, he will rejoice over you. Now, what does Zephaniah mean by God will rejoice over you? Well, I think a good way to think about it is, um, well, if you're a grandparent, you know exactly what he's talking about, right? Because when, when one of your grandkids comes over to your house, when you show up someplace where your grandkids are, I bet there is a demeanor that you have with your grandkids that you, you are rejoicing over them. And you know what? I bet they know it. Yeah, they know I might get spoiled this afternoon, right? right? I'm like, you know. Grandma and Grandpa, like, they rejoice over me. They just, they are happy I am here, right? Yeah, and I feel it, right? Um, I got to watch this uh, with my mom, right, uh, with all of her grandkids. And there'd be moments where she would figure out something that would just bring joy to one of her grandkids or all of her grandkids. And then she would just be, like, all about that, right? It's just because she's just rejoicing over them. Uh, one of the things, uh, one year before Christmas, uh, she made some sort of ornament for the Christmas tree that had a picture of the grandkids on it with like some characters that they uh, liked or whatever. Well, all of her grandkids, my two kids included, were like, they thought that was like the coolest ornament on the tree. And so my mom is like, ah, right? So every year after that, my mom would engage in making Christmas tree ornaments. And she really got into this. She would figure out like what some of, some of our kids favorite characters were, like in movies or, um, you know, cartoons or whatever. And she would, like, like uh, 
This was back when like VeggieTales, remember VeggieTales? Like there was like the vegetables, like Bob and Larry, the uh, tomato and cucumber or pickle or whatever he was, right? And my mom would find pictures of them and then cut them out, right? And then she would, and, and she would take pictures of her grandkids and try and get the dimensions just right so that she would superimpose like a picture of like, you know, Spider-Man or Bob and Larry or SpongeBob so that it looked like some of her grandkids were just like hanging out with SpongeBob or Spider-Man or whatever. And then she would turn it into a Christmas tree ornament and the kids loved it. And she kept doing this, right? Never made me one, right? I think, you know, my kids did, right? Uh, one time, uh, my mom watched uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, I think, with my son, uh, Chandler. And Chandler's a little kid and he was just like mesmerized, right? And of course, Christmas comes around and there's Chandler right next to Indiana Jones, right? So now, you know, most years uh, on our Christmas tree, there's, you know, Jesus, SpongeBob, Indiana Jones, <laughs> you know, just every year. But it's because, right, there was a kind of just joy that my mom, my dad, right, when it came to grandkids, they can't help themselves, right? It's just, and they rejoice over. And and what Zephaniah is getting here is it's like God with God just enjoys you and wants to be wants to bring joy like just right in there with you. This is like important uh, to God. Um, there is a work called the, the Talmud and it is think of it as um, a series of sermons that were given over centuries and centuries and centuries that were collected. And it's all of these sermons on the Old Testament, on the Torah. And they're all of the, it's just all of this uh, information about how to understand and apply Torah or the Old Testament. And there's this really interesting section where it talks about, um, it, while it is important to have moments of reverence with God and the seriousness of God, to withhold from joy and celebration, it says, it says this, is to break a command because God is so filled with joy that if you were to withhold from that, if you were to take God so seriously that you were to withhold joy, that's like breaking a command. Like you need, you need to understand the joy of God. And that's, and so this morning, I want to talk about this because I want all of us to maybe connect to being with God in His joy more. And I want to do this in a really, really practical way. Uh, I'm going to look at a number of scriptural passages, and uh, with all of them, I, I want to set up just a really practical way to just experience God's joy. Now, I want to set that up first uh, with a passage out of the New Testament, where a guy by the name of Paul writes about this idea of joy that I want you to see. And this is found in Romans chapter 15. And Paul writes this, May the God of hope fill you, catch this, with all joy. And it's the idea of all kinds of joy. Like, just, he, like this is my hope, that just all of this joy. Now, the whole idea of the God of hope is this idea that there, we're going to have moments where we find ourselves in circumstances that are difficult, that are hard. The point here is not that, that God will 
will give you a, a trouble-free existence, right? And that's not what he's talking about. Like, like we're, going to, we're going to have struggles and problems in this world. But that doesn't mean that we can't still experience joy in the midst of our struggles. Like there's a supernatural level to this kind of joy, that God has a way of bringing joy into our lives, even when it's hard, even when it's painful. And he goes on, um, all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? There's this kind of joy that flows into our lives. And what is our job in this? I love this. As you trust in him, we, we trust in him for this kind of joy. So I want to talk here this morning about how do we just take some really practical steps. And when I say practical, I mean really practical. Of just trusting that we are with a God that that wants to rejoice over us. So I want to point out three things this morning, three practical things uh, we uh, can do in all of this. Um, the first one is this. So the first thing to being with God and his joy is this. Increase your awareness of God's presence. To, to just recognize God's presence in your life will make a big, big difference, okay? There's a psalmist by the name of David. He wrote a bunch of the psalms in the Bible. And I want you to see something that he writes, because he, he's going to get at this idea, but he starts with this, and this is found in Psalms 21. Psalms 21. David begins writing, and he talks about this king. He says, the king rejoices in your strength, Lord. How great is his joy in the victories you give, right? He's got reasons to be happy. He's got reasons to rejoice. You have granted him his heart's desire and have not withheld the request of his lips. And so he's kind of going through this thing. He's saying, man, this king, right? There's some joy in his life because he's looking through all these different things that are happening in his life and he can point to these different elements of joy in his life. Now, here's what's interesting. What king is David talking about in this? Well, himself. He was the king of Israel at this time. Um, and, and, and we'll come back to this, but I think it's kind of interesting. David's writing about himself in the third person. We don't do that too often. It seems kind of weird to talk to, about yourself to yourself in the third person, right? Uh, but, but he does that here. And, and I want to come back to that in a second here, but I, but I want you to just notice that. And as he goes through, he goes through several verses here, and he talks about these blessings, this joy that he has. And then he comes to this kind of epiphany uh, in verse 6 that I want you to see. So he gets to verse 6, and here's what he says. Surely you have granted him, and who's he talking, who's the him? He is, David, right? He's talking about him in the third person, right? Surely you have granted him unending blessings. Unending, all of these blessings. And he's been going through all of these blessings. But now he makes this connection to what's really happening with all these blessings and made him glad with the joy of your presence. See, the underlying joy in all of this stuff, even more than, than just good circumstances, is that God was present. And if you understand David's life, Right? If you just read what he read before this, you would think, well, David had no problems. Life was easy and good for him. No. He, there were a lot of things he struggled over. 
but he's still like basking somehow in this kind of joy. And he realizes here in verse 6, it's because there's a kind of joy to your presence. Now, um, this may, may seem a little trite, but I really mean this. If you go through your day in a really practical way and just carry a kind of awareness that God's with you, there's a kind of joy that comes with that. No matter what you're facing, whether, whether it's a struggle, whether it's a moment of just pure delight and fun, whether you're taking on a challenge that's exciting or a challenge that you wish was over, there's something about just saying, you know what? God's, God's with me. God is in my midst. You will experience whatever it is you're going through with a little bit more joy. Just being aware of God with you. So, I want to give you a challenge uh, in this that can help you just carry a sense of God's presence all of the time uh, in this. Something that'll just help you through your day. And it gets back to what David did in this psalm. Um, Remember how he talks to himself in the third person? Which seems a little strange, but there's actually something to this. There's something about when you can step back with an awareness um, and, and this is, you know, not, I'm not talking about becoming, you know, a split personality or something weird like this. This is just a way of stepping back and, and being aware of yourself and noticing something. It's like David steps back and goes, oh yeah, there's me right there. And man, God was with me there. 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 And being able to see that and speak to it or write to it is kind of powerful. It really is. Um, uh, I, I've done this for years. Um, you know, I mean, some people think I'm crazy, but not everyone, right? Um, and I've experienced this, like moments where like you can get lost in your head or just, or, or lose that sense of God's presence. There's something about stepping back and saying, no, Glenn, God is with you. Glenn, when you read this passage, that's for you as well. And so I want you to practice this. So I'm going to give you a five-day challenge. I've got, right, three points here. And with each of these, I want you to try something from these every single day. So um, the first challenge uh, is, and we're just going to practice doing a little something here with this last verse we looked at. So if you can put that verse back up um, here. We're going to read this together, okay? But this time when we read it, I'm going to have you just read it out loud. We'll all read it together. But when we get to granted him, I want you to just say your name. You're just like in the third person. So like I'll be, surely you have granted Glenn, right? Da, 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 right? And then when we get right here to him, I want you to say your name as well, right? And because we'll all do it together, it won't seem as awkward, okay? Yeah, okay. So you ready? Okay, here we go. Read it with me. And remember, say your name, right? Here we go. Surely you have granted Glenn unending blessings and made Glenn glad with the joy of your presence. Yeah, you can practice that all week, okay? Now, here, here's how I'm, I'm going to have you do something else. Um, and I'm going to have you use your phone. I've got my phone right here. Pull out your phones. Yeah, I know. Rare moment. The preacher wanted us to pull out our phones in the middle of his sermon? Yes, okay? Because I'm going to have you text yourself, right? You're all, we're going to text ourselves. So I'm going to bring up mine. Go, go to your, whatever you use for your texting. And then, um, you know, where it says to, just type in your name or your number. 
Bring it up here. There we go. Now, here's what I want you to text to yourself. I want you to, and this is for a text tomorrow morning, right? I want you to text yourself to read Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8. So I'm going to, I'm just, I'm going to start mine off with, hey, Glenn. <laughs> you can use whatever salutation you would desire, okay? However you want to refer to yourself, right? Hey, Glenn, read Deuteronomy 31, 8. Now, don't go and look at Deuteronomy 31, 8 yet, okay? And, and text it to yourself. There you go. Okay, I just texted myself. Um, then tomorrow morning, when you wake, I know this seems weird, but if I, you're going to remember this, right? You're going to wake up tomorrow morning, and you're going to go, I texted myself, right? <laughs> yeah. Then you're going to read that text that says, hey, Read Deuteronomy 31.8, and then I went, and then, so just do what you said to yourself, right? And read that maybe a few times, and just see what it does for your sense of awareness. Now, the, uh, the other four days of this challenge, you can go back to that verse, find another verse. Maybe there's something that you kind of figure out Monday that you want to say to yourself, right? Say something to yourself. Write it down, text it, do something. It helps you just be aware that God is actually present with you throughout the entire day. This is just, it's just a way of, of making your brain more aware that whatever you're doing throughout the day, God is with you. And what I want you to experience is what happens is after just a week, what happens to the joy factor in your life? Just knowing God was with me. God was with me. I think you're going to find it going up. Okay, second thing. Second thing uh, to being with God in his joy, right? And it's this. Make time to laugh, right? Make time to laugh. And the whole point of this is there's something about laughter that helps us connect to the ordinary in life, right? And part of experiencing God being with God is you have to experience him in the ordinary of life. If the only time you ever think about experiencing God is in some deep spiritual moment that's reserved in a special way, but like in your normal day through normal interactions, it's like kind of like God's not there, then you're not going to experience the full joy of God. So part of this is understanding how do I connect to God in the ordinary, of, uh, ordinary parts of my life? Laughter is a great, there's something about humor that gives us a kind of joy about the ordinary things that go on uh, in life. Um, there's, again, there is this book of the Bible that is, um, I, it's one of my favorite books in the Bible. And it is a book that is, like, it wants to ask the deepest questions. It is a book about existential questions and, and like, pondering the meaning of life and all of these things. It's a really serious book. But it's really interesting what happens uh, um, partway through in chapter 3. The book is called the book of Ecclesiastes. And it's written by a guy by the name of Solomon. Considered like this incredibly, incredibly wise, wise person. And uh, he's asking all these deep questions. And then he gets to chapter 3. And he opens up chapter 3 in this kind of strange way. But it's really, really good. So I, I want to look at this. This is Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. Look at what he says here. It starts off. There is a time for everything. 
and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build. Say it with me, turn, 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 right? Almost like a song, yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> see, <clears throat> I love this, right? Now, the next verse though, the next verse, this is so good. Look at what he says here, next verse. A time to cry and what? A time to laugh, yes. A time to mourn and a time to dance, right? In this book about existential questions and all of these deep things that Solomon's like, oh man, sometimes we just need to laugh, don't we? Yes, <laughs> yes, that's right, yeah. Why? Because there's something about laughter that just, it lets you feel and experience joy of some of the most ordinary, silly, sometimes strange, daily things in life. And we need that. If you can find joy in the ordinary things of life, then you're, you're like halfway there of understanding the God of joy is just with you. Because here's why. That ability to laugh, which really uh, oftentimes is like an involuntary thing. Like there's moments where something just strikes you, doesn't it? And you, you just begin to giggle or you begin to laugh at something, right? Who created you to do that? God did. The God of all joy. And it's funny how it works, isn't it? Um, so this past week, I'm in a meeting in my office. And just down the hall and around the corner a little ways is Savannah. And she's got uh, one of her uh, little kids with her. Savannah is uh, on staff. And her little boy just starts laughing. I don't even know what he was laughing about. But I could hear this little kid, this little bitty kid, starts laughing and just gets this belly laugh going. And it just like shut down the meeting right there because I started laughing. I, it was just, I enjoyed it so much. I'm like, that is so, that is just so good. Like I could just, and I did, I'm just gonna sit here and listen to that. Why, it's just like, it's just a sound coming from a kid. But God made me and you to just enjoy that there's something about a little kid laughing that does something good. I'll prove it to you. I'll prove it to you right now because I've got a video I want you to just watch right now. Watch, watch this video, okay? <laughs> Even see the video and you're laughing. You're just listening. There. Yeah. They were just feeding the dog popcorn, and this kid is just laughing at a dog eating popcorn. Pretty ordinary, pretty mundane. But when you hear that laugh, was that not just precious? Did that not just bring joy to your heart? I just why? Because God just made you that way. God said, you know. I got a great idea. I'm gonna create little kids to laugh a certain way, and I'm gonna make it so adults, they're gonna like it no matter what. They're just gonna like it. See, that's a God of joy. And here's the thing. 
There is a time for everything, isn't there? You know, the, uh, going back to the Talmud, I ran into this other thing as I was studying the other part of the Talmud. Um, and, and I love this. The, there's a part of the Talmud where it speaks to this idea of how to help people. And sometimes um, it says you'll find that the Talmud doesn't just tell you what to do straight out. Um, like, you need to go enjoy God. You know, go do that. Or you need, you need to just find God's joy. Or you need to just go study Torah. Instead, it asks you this question. Did you just make time for it? Because sometimes when you just make time for something, it has this way of just letting something natural, letting something with God interact with you that does something special in it. So when I say make time for laughter, I really mean that. Every day, five-day challenge, right? You're going you're gonna to text yourself, make a note to yourself, right? You're going to talk to yourself in the third person to remind you that God is with you all week long. So here's the other thing I want you to do. Take a little time every day this week and just say, I I'm going to take one or two minutes even and devote it to just, this is a moment of maybe opening myself up to some laughter. So use this video. Use another video. What's something you think might make you laugh about the ordinary or the mundane in life? Again, you know, uh, pull out your phone and, you know, get on YouTube and just, uh, I was telling Seth about this idea and he goes, oh, I love dogs that dance. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, Seth, that is so precise. It's intrigued me so much. One of these days, I'm going to Google dancing dogs or whatever you have to do, and I'm going to just see. I'm going to make some time to see if dogs dancing make me laugh. We'll, we'll see. That's going to be one of my things. And as we talked about it, we thought this too. You know what? If you're struggling to come up with something, um, this week, every day, uh, we'll post something, right? So just pay attention to our social media posts or something. We'll give you some ideas. We'll, we'll give you some links to videos or videos or something. And what I think I'm going to do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to staff throughout the week. And I'm going to see what staff come up with as ideas. So if one day uh, it's dancing dogs, you'll know that was Seth, okay, that came up with the dancing dogs. But make some time. And just go and ask yourself the question, like, why, why is that funny? Why did God do that? Because he's a God of joy. And maybe, just maybe, when God hears you laugh, he's going to smile. Maybe he'll start to laugh. Because you know, maybe God loves a good laugh now and then too. And somehow in that moment of laughing over the mundane, just go, God is so good. God, God created this in me, okay? Now, third thing, third thing. I'm going to wrap up with this. Third thing uh, uh, is this for just connecting uh, to being in God's joy. And it's this, send joy. Send joy. And of course, what I mean by this, and you'll see why I use the word send joy here in a second, but what I mean by send joy, of course, is this idea of giving joy away. What can you do to bring joy into somebody else's life. Um, there's an Old Testament book uh, called Nehemiah. I'm, I'm, I'm hitting the Old Testament really hard uh, this morning. Uh, but Nehemiah is 
uh, he really wasn't a prophet. He was a leader that helped bring Israel out of a really dark time. They, in uh, 586 BC, uh, they get conquered by the Babylonians, and then the Persians conquered the Babylonians, and all of a sudden Cyrus, the king of Persia, uh, begins letting all of these leaders go back to their original hometowns or countries that were all conquered earlier by the Babylonians. And so Nehemiah uh, gets to go back to Jerusalem, and Jerusalem fell, and it was devastated. So Nehemiah starts off, and he takes this survey of, of Jerusalem, and Jerusalem is in ruins. It is terrible. The people that live there are in poverty and misery. So Nehemiah progresses. His book progresses that it's the ruin of Jerusalem, and all of a sudden it's like, um, what can we do about this? And so then uh, the next chapter is like he starts making plans, and he pulls the leaders together, and then as they start making plans and pulling Jerusalem together. Um, they have all of these enemies and all of these people that don't want to see Jerusalem uh, become strong again because they like taking advantage of it. And then finally, by the time you get to chapter 6, it's like they've gotten a wall built around Jerusalem and they pull everything together and all of a sudden they begin to celebrate. And by the time you get to chapter 8, um, God is like, okay, I want you to celebrate. I mean, bring out the choice food, bring out the wine. I want you to celebrate. And I want you to see something that he does with this. This is found in Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 10. He says this. Um, this is after they've been celebrating. He says this. Then he said to them, go your way, but now, but don't end the celebration. I want you to keep partying a little bit, right? I want you to, because this is a joyful time, right? Eat the fat. That's just, like, that's, a, that's a Hebrew way of saying comfort food, right? Um, eat the fat and drink sweet wine. Now look at this. And send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord, and do not be grieved for the, for, and I love this, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So they have been celebrating. And he says, now, okay, because they were all like in the center of Jerusalem. He's like, okay, I want you to go back out, but I want you to keep celebrating. But he says this thing, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. You know, God could have done this where he made sure that everyone had everything they needed to keep the party going, right? But he didn't. And what he asks is that those of you who have, make sure you send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. In other words, this is about Right? As God has been giving you joy, as God has restored Jerusalem, as you're celebrating, like something that maybe many of them thought would never have, they thought they'd never see Jerusalem restored again. Ever have a moment where something was restored in your life? Ever have a beautiful moment? You're just like, this is too good. Like that's what this was for them. And he says, now, give that away. Give that away. And you know, I think the reason God wants us to participate in giving away joy in this way is because when we do, there's something really unique that happens. When we do something that blesses somebody else, when we, like when we send joy, we get to have a shared experience with God because God is constantly sending joy. And, right, we all know this. We've all had moments 
when there was someone that you wanted to do something really good for, you wanted to bless them, you did something that brought joy into their life, and you were like, man, that felt really good. I mean, I, I, I was giving stuff away, and it made me feel good. There is a kind of joy that is unique and rich when you when you are able to create or send joy to someone else, isn't there? And it's like God is saying, I want you to share in that kind of joy as well. So, part of my five-day challenge that I want to give all of you, and I'm going to participate in this as well. Every day, even if it's just something small, what is something you can do that just sends a little bit of joy somebody's way? Right? And it, like, what, it can be anything. Maybe you bring donuts to the office, right? right? That, that's always a good thing. Or maybe, have you ever noticed, and maybe you go, well, gosh, they're always doing that sort of thing at the office or whatever, right? Have you ever, you ever noticed that sometimes at work or at school or at the office or whatever, sometimes, you know, like people will bring things and it's wonderful, and there's always like one or two people, and like they've got a food allergy, right? You know, they've got to have like the gluten-free, sugar-free, you know, like just, it's complicated or whatever, right? And they're always kind about it. What would happen if you went out and found what is, you know, what, what's the fat-free, gluten-free, wheat-free, whatever it is, right? That, that complicated thing. And you made a point that when you showed up, they, they got included. That'd be, think about that. What if it was just like a handwritten note? What if it was a text? What, like, what is the simple thing that just brings a little bit of joy? And when you do that, and, and, and I want you with each of these things, follow it up with a short, it doesn't have to be a long prayer, but a short prayer. And here's why. Because I want you to connect it back to God with you. And any moment where you get to experience, and this goes for uh, all three of those challenges, right? Whether it's something where you're remembering how God is with you, whether it is something uh, where you laugh about something, or whether it's a, just a quick moment, you just, you've experienced the joy of giving joy away. I want you to say a little prayer in that moment, and I want you to say, God, thank you for being with me right now in this. Recognize that God is with you in this, and that he created you to be the kind of person that would experience that in a rich way. See, here's part of what's going on, friends. God, God created you so that you could experience him. And when you experience joy, at some level, you're touching the divine. You're getting to experience him in your life. And think about the joy that brings into your life. So, five-day challenge. Take that up this week. So, I'm going to close this here in a second. Um, why don't you stand? And uh, if you're new or visiting, it is so good to have you here this morning. I'm going to be right over here, and if you are new or we've never had a chance to meet or connect, I'd love to just shake your hand this morning, say hi to you. Um, if you'd love to have someone pray for you this morning, maybe you're going through something and you'd love to just have someone pray with you or for you, I want to invite you to just uh, join some of our folks over in the prayer place uh, over here. Um, I'm going to close us just with a simple blessing out of that passage we read out of Romans. Uh, 
Romans. So uh, may the God of hope fill you with all of his joy and peace this week as you are in his midst. Amen. Have a great Sunday. See you next week.